0: Our scripture reading today is found in Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 30. Let us stand for the reading of God's word. Now, those that have been scattered, those who were scattered, had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread across the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. This is the word of God. You may be seated.
1: In last week's episode of our series called The Breakthrough, we saw a group of Christians in a vibrant, growing, world-class city somehow being willing to send out two of its most prominent members away from their city, away from their church to carry the message of Jesus to people who had never heard about Him. So today what I want to do is to come back again. And pull back a few years before Acts chapter 13, 1 through 3 that we looked at last week and see what on earth God was doing in that church that made them so alive to God and so willing to make such a big sacrifice. In other words, this is a prequel sermon. I thought if there's any church in in America where you could do a prequel sermon, it is Southern California, don't you think? Because prequels seem to be popular in, uh, in uh, Hollywood. So why don't we have a prequel sermon? It, it just seems to me that the first one I remember with movies was uh, The Godfather, wasn't it? Where the two came uh, after one. So you wonder, how did they get there? And you go back here. Oh, it's the backstory, story. Or the Star Wars series where you first had four through six. And then later, one through three, because you wonder, how did you get to where they? Well, today, I've just been wondering where, how on earth did this church in that city get to where they were? It seems just like Rafiq, that everybody was asking this question, covatus, where am I going? Where is God sending me? It, it wasn't just a few, but everyone had that idea that we are all when we come to know Jesus we then are all sent into our communities and our families and our neighborhoods to be uh, his representatives. So wh- what happened was when this church in Antioch, uh, which was very different from the church in Jerusalem, started growing so rapidly. Uh, the church in Jerusalem, a much more conservative, you know, mostly Jewish church. They decided they'd send their most trusted person, a man named Barnabas. Up there, I have a map of it here, I want you to see. Up there to Antioch. Oh, do we have a map we can get to? There it is. See Jerusalem? He had to make quite a trek. So find out what's going on up there. <laughs> so Barnabas, this Jewish man goes up there and he sees something like he'd never seen before. And he saw a group of people in church, not just doing religious stuff. He saw people who they felt that they were personally called to be a part of what their heavenly father was doing in this world. And I just tell you, I've been praying all summer that whatever it was that Barnabas saw there, that when you come into Lake Avenue Church, you will see it here. So here's where I want to start. Where? where what did Barnabas see in that city of Antioch? My answer to that is he saw a big city. I don't know what you think when you see a big city. So he saw a big city filled with people, of course, third largest city in the world. But as he saw it, it was filled with people whom Jesus had come to save. Now, you've got you to get a feeling for this. Uh, Barnabas had lived his whole life in Jewish communities. And, and it's not that everybody in those communities were alike. I mean, people were different, just like we are different, but they all sort of shared the same perspective on the world. You know, they had a shared worldview, a shared culture that went all the way back to their father, Abraham, patriarch Abraham. So, you know, there are many things that this is how you worship. This is how you talk. This is what you do. But up in Antioch, it's something that was very, very different that was happening there. And in comes Barnabas. I'll show you a picture of Antioch as it is now. It's, it's, a, it's a great city. Um, so I'm sure that when Barnabas went walking in, you can see it had, had this hillside around it. There was a river that, that would flow through it. And don't you think that when Barnabas went walking into that huge city, he would see what people see when we go into a big city? Uh, he saw, I'm sure, tremendous ethnic diversity. I'm sure he saw great shopping opportunities. <laughs> They had a big, big marketplace there. He saw the excitement of the city and its entertainment industry. And Antioch was a beautiful city. I mean, if you see that with that hillside around, it looks a little bit like Pasadena. And it had a nickname. People called it Beautiful Antioch. But, I, but I'm telling you, when he went into the city, he also saw the downsides of urbanization. He saw a high crime rate. And they had that. He saw incredible... Overcrowding in that city I have a demographic here just to try to get you imagine living there Per acre the density the population density was 200 people per acre Now if you say what on earth does that mean? Uh, Here in the United States the the densest population is in the city of Manhattan And it's about half of what it was in Antioch It's about 100 per acre in in our world probably the densest population group is in Mumbai and in Bombay which is estimated at about 183 uh, per acre. Now, they had a feel for this. In our cities today, we're able to spread people out by building these high-rises. They didn't have that. And then, just to really get a feel for this, they didn't have uh, clean sanitation going on there, clean toilets that were going on there. All I'm saying is that this city was a, was a mess it was filled with um, disease, uh, poverty, I mean, the big break between the rich and the poor, major problem of homelessness in that city. And just one other thing I'll just mention. Antioch was known for its immorality. Even in Rome, which wasn't known as the most moral place in Rome, they looked at Antioch and called it Sin City. Called it Sin City. They even had a huge theater in the middle of the city. Where what took place there was open public prostitution. Now, I'll tell you, here in uh, Southern California, in the L.A. area, we live in a place not wholly unlike Antioch, Um, with America's second largest metropolitan area. We have all the beauty of this area that draws people here. We have here, even in our area, the, the beautiful hillsides that is here. We have the entertainment that draws people to come to our area. But we also have, you know, many of the same problems of urbanization that Antioch was facing. Uh, overcrowdedness among the poor we have here. Uh, L.A. Uh, has only about 13 people per acre. But probably the the densest population in the L.A. area is right here, this quadrant, to our northwest. Did you know that? Right here in in our area. And I I don't know if you know this as well. We not only have our entertainment area, but, but going to Southern California is not always what people like in the Midwest think. That's the most moral place in the whole United States. Did you know that? I still have parents. And it might be some of your parents who sometimes will call me when people are coming out here to try to make it in the entertainment industry. will say, Pastor Greg, is it possible to even live as a Christian there in Southern California? People ask me that. And I always say, of course, God has a people here. He's sufficient for us. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to see our city the way Barnabas saw his city. Because I think many people would have gone into Antioch and they would have seen a city that everybody should just abandon. I think they would have said, ah, this is a place that God should just judge. But Barnabas went in and he saw it as a city in which the gospel of Jesus Christ could make a difference. He did not leave it. He stayed there. He didn't condemn it. He ministered there. And mostly what I want us to see today is he went into that city and he went into a place like Lake Avenue Church. He saw God's people there. And not only for God's people, they were alive to God in that city. They were reaching out not only to the people in their own community, but Acts 13. The thing we saw last week, they were sending their people out to other places. I love verse 23 of Acts 11. What Barnabas saw was what the grace of God had done. I love that. And then it said, And he was glad. Okay, here's what makes me think. Then what did he see in that city? What did he see in that church in that city? What did he see in the church? Now, make note of it. I just written down a couple of things. I'm praying we're gonna see it here. Number one, he saw a church that reached out beyond itself With the gospel of Jesus to all the people in its community. Look look at verses 19 and 20. So the persecution came. So all these Jewish believers and Jesus were going out having to flee the city. Some spread the word only among the Jews. Others, however, went to Antioch. And they spoke to non-Jews also. Telling them about the good news about the Lord Jesus. Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, it isn't surprising to me that these Jewish Christians leaving Jerusalem um, because of the persecution mostly only spoke to other Jewish people because that's the way we are, right? And We shouldn't criticize them for that. So they were fleeing the city. They were being witnesses. They loved Jesus. But uh, I'm sure they thought, well, I don't know if I can really relate to these people. But just as much, don't we sometimes get the feeling people different from us? Really wouldn't want to talk with me either. So you almost think, well, God, you'll have to send somebody more like them to talk to them, right? We have all sorts of reasons that would keep us from being able to connect with people. But that's not the way it was for the believers in Antioch. Somehow, let's, let's see if we were somehow they had learned that God offers his grace to all people. So somehow they had learned That the forgiveness of Jesus Christ is sufficient for all sins. Even those there in Antioch. Somehow they had learned that the power of the Holy Spirit is capable of transforming all lives. How had they learned this? Do you believe that? Do you believe that people here in our L.A. area who are, who are trapped in drugs or, or in gangs or even in prostitution can be set free? Do you believe that long-standing broken relationships in our marriages, in our families, that God has the power to bring those things back together? Do you believe that? Do you believe, and I just jotted a few things down, do you and I believe that people viewed as immoral can become moral, that those who are proud can become humble, that even the anti-Christian can become somehow a joy-filled follower of Jesus, like the Apostle Paul. Do you believe it? It's just so clear to me that the people in Antioch had personally experienced the life-transforming power of Jesus Christ so that they were outwardly focused as i say so often they knew if there was hope for them there was hope for anybody in this world <laughs> so they witnessed to everybody and god gave fruit to their witness look at acts 11:21 the lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the lord uh, i'm just praying that more and more, this is the kind of church we're going to be. Will you pray with me? Will you be a part of it? Well, what else did he see? What else did he see? He also saw when he walked in there. It wasn't a perfect church yet. Uh, he saw a church where the people needed to grow spiritually. We call it discipleship. He saw that. So look at verses 25 and 26. So after seeing the church, he went up to Tarsus to look for Saul, also Paul, and brought him to Antioch. And then note, for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul taught great numbers of people. Now I am just so sure that these new believers in that big city of Antioch, they they knew almost nothing about this God who had revealed Himself in the Scripture. They never had the Scriptures. I, I am so sure that when they would talk to them about Jesus, they had no idea about. Why did he have to virgin birth? Why did he have to God have to come? God become flesh? Don't you think? Uh, Why did he have to go to the cross and and tell people I have to do this? This is what my appointment is. What is that cross about? What is this resurrection about? I'm sure that they knew that there were things in their lives that had to change, but they didn't even know how they were supposed to live. I mean, how are they going to do this? Well, Barnabas saw what all of us see. They needed to learn about the fact that that God is a forgiving God. They needed to know that he had found a way to, to wash clean the past. They needed to know that they couldn't stay living the way they had once lived and that God had created us to live in a certain way. What they needed was to be taught. All, all of this is a, a process that we call discipleship. This big word is so simple. So you're with me? You think about where the people in Antioch were and where you and I were, if you're a believer, and then the process to take us from there to where we are now. But you and I also know that we haven't arrived yet, right? And that process that God promises until we actually become all that he's promised will be. All of that is called discipleship. It's the most beautiful thing. It's growth. It's growth in Christ and the church is to be put there so that we can grow to become more of what God would have us to be. Now, here's my point. When Barnabas went there, he saw that the most basic thing needed for us to become what God created us to be was they had to learn the faith. They needed to know what God had said about himself in his word. They needed to understand the truths about God that are here. So a couple of things I wrote down. So that a good church in a city like this doesn't just care about getting you and me saved. Oh, man, we care about that. But a good church uh, wants each one of us to become complete in Christ. And I'll just tell you, especially if you're newer, if you come and become a part of Lake Avenue Church, we're going to make this commitment that... It, given all of our imperfections too, that we're going to make a commitment that you will become all that God has made you to be. We're not going to condemn you for your past because then every one of us would be condemned. Amen? But at the same time, we're not going to leave you living in the way you used to live because God won't leave us there. That's the, first. And the other thing that hits me about this is this. That the foundation for this new life in Jesus Christ is obviously learning the faith as God has revealed it in the Bible. So that a good church is going to find a way to help you to, to get to know the faith. If you wonder why on earth do you take so much time doing what you're doing right now, Pastor Greg, it's because we want to open up this word and see what God has had to say. And uh, in this coming year... We're looking for many new opportunities for those who are newer in the faith to learn your faith and for the rest of us To have a reacquaintance with the essentials of our faith. I want you to watch for them We're going to talk about it And I want every one of us in this coming year to have a new experience with the essentials of what we believe Because that becomes the basis of what we say to others until we get that done Uh, I I want you to uh, find a good Bible reading plan where you read it every day. And if you don't know how to find one, then come up after church and our prayer team will help you or go through that connect sign. We'll help you to find one. Get yourself a Bible that you can actually understand and read it and um, find a small group. In the small group, don't just let it be something that talks about social issues or eats food. Eat food. We like food at Lake Avenue Church. But make sure that you're spending some time reading and studying the Bible together there. Because when Barnabas went into his city, he knew, and I know, that you cannot live differently until you have learned how God teaches us he created us to live, right? And we can't really witness effectively to a world until we really understand the God that we want to give witness to. So that's the second thing that he saw, and an outward-reaching church, but a church that also looked on the insides and said we must grow from where we are to where we'll be. Third, what else did he see? He saw a church unified. And they were unified by their shared faith in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 26. Disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. You should have said, wow. That's what you should say. All right. <laughs> First century worth Rome had gained control of the known world at that time, and what that meant well, it wasn 't great government, but what that meant was all the old national boundaries that pe- kept people from tra- uh, traveling were down, and people could go anywhere in first century. It was an amazing time in the world, uh, under god 's providence, I think. And what happened was people were moving, trying to find work just like now, trying to get involved in trade, they were moving to the big cities. Uh, cities like Antioch, so that Antioch was one of those major cities right there in the Mediterranean, uh, where people from all over the world were coming. So there was a large Chinese community in Antioch. There was a large Jewish community in Antioch. There was a large Middle Eastern community, a large African community, large European communities. Do you know any place like that? <laughs> but even though there, there was this enormous diversity in the city of Antioch, they were also segregated within that city. There were 18 quadrants, and each of those quadrants were people, were each nationality. They were supposed to live there, and they were distinguished by their nationality, their skin color, the language they spoke, and by their religion. Oh, that's the Chinese section over there, and there's the Middle Eastern section over there. So that's how they were known. That's how they were called. And then these Christians came into Antioch, and they were witnessing to everybody. And from all those groups, people were coming to Jesus. And they were worshiping together, and they were going out and serving together. What are you going to call these people? Are you beginning to see this? They were first called Christians. People belonging to Christ. People belonging to Jesus. It's the only thing that held them together. The only two things that held these people together in the church were these. That they lived in the same city, and that they belonged to Jesus. Jesus. And that is something that helped them to live out what Jesus had said in in John 13. Now you see it. This is how people are going to know that you are my followers as it gets out into the whole world. When you who are so different have a love one for another. Now I hope you see the implications of this. Do, Do you see any? In our divided world, the church of Jesus Christ is to be a place where people who come together from different races, different gangs... There were languages. We come together enormously different amounts of money. <laughs> and, and then we come together and we have to demonstrate the unity of Christ by worshiping together in our services. I mean, then going out alongside of one another and people should say, what holds those people together? And the only answer is they belong to Jesus. I'm, I'm just telling you. I think we have done something in the North American church that we don't even know what we're doing, and it dishonors God, I believe. What I mean is that we have churches all over our country where we meet together on the same campus, but we're often content just to let ourselves live lives divided from one another. Um, We do this sometimes thinking, well, people enjoy being with people like themselves much more. And the church will grow a lot faster if we do that. So so the result is we have places where we gather for the young and some for the old, some for the rich and poor, some who like teaching. And the old, they like experience more. We'll send the charismatics over there and all that. I just want to tell you, we're not going to do that at Lake Avenue Church any longer. We're going to learn from this church in Antioch. I, I just want to tell you, don't just worship together with your own high school group or college group or adult class. Do that. We need to be with people who share those areas of life together with us. But we need to have a place where we show this world that we belong to Jesus. Uh, I know that. Amen. Thank you. I I know this is hard for us, for all of us, because there's going to be stuff when we all come together and respect one another that that we say, that isn't my cup of tea. What but then we look over here and see this person. But it's my sister's cup of tea. All right. I'll sing that song with her or with him. Do you want know I mean, We have to give up preferences because we are redeemed. We are saved by the grace of God. And we want to show his unity and his glory to the Lord. And I just tell you, when you do. First of all, the world is going to see it. They're going to know that Jesus is real. And I'm just going to tell you this too. When you do, you are going to experience God in ways that you otherwise never would. So let me show you what the Holy Spirit put on the hearts of your ministry council. I'll show it to you once again. So who are we? We are sent once. So when we leave this place, we're sent to the world. But when we come together intergenerationally, even across that wall, we're going to worship in unity. We're going to learn in community. And together, because we all have to still grow, we're going to progress toward completion in Christ. And we're going to serve God's mission. This is countercultural, but it is biblical. Just the last point quickly. What else did Barnabas see? He saw a people committed to showing the love of Jesus to the people who came across their paths and who had needs. Look at verse 29. So these disciples, as each one was able, determined to provide help for the brothers in Judea. So this, this prophet came in and said there's a big famine. It's going to happen all over the world. It's especially going to hit Judea hard. So they did. We just get a little glimpse of this. They did what Christians really started doing and made a difference. They said, then we'll put together what we have and we're going to help out those who are hurting. One of the distinguishing marks of the early church was it reached out to meet the needs of brothers and sisters, but not just the brothers and sisters in Christ, but to those who were hurting. Uh, Just just as an example, in Antioch, with all the disease that was there, many of those groups in those 18 quadrants, when they would have people within them who became sick, they threw them out on the streets to die. Do you know what Christians did? They went and took them back in and prayed for them and served them and ministered to them. That's what the church did. Um, and, And it went to the point, it was so widespread among churches That I've shown you this quote, this, this emperor called Julian was trying to get rid of Christians because they wouldn't worship him (laughs) and he couldn't get rid of them. So he complained it was either to one of his priests or to one of his uh, soldiers. uh, This he said, their success lies in their charity to strangers. These godless Galileans by which he meant Christians, godless because they wouldn't worship him. Do You see that? (laughs) These godless guys support both their own poor and ours as well. I want this to be said about us here at Lake Avenue Church. And I'll tell you one of the things I love about this church. I just look at so many of you. Is this heart for hurting people was in you long before I came. It's what. It's what. But I pray that that heart and the willingness to sacrifice in this way might grow in us. So that his love might flow through us to this place where he has sent us. That's what Barnabas saw in that church, in that city. I am praying that more and more we will see that here. People who look outward, knowing we have a message sufficient for anyone, people who humbly acknowledge, I still have more to learn myself, I have to keep growing. People who are going to say, we're going to be unified. This world is divided. We're going to show the unity of God and we're going to let his love flow through us, no matter what the sacrifice is. Colvatus. Where are you going? Where is God sending you to be a part of all of this? I'd like to have Jeff Madison to come up. Jeff, if you would come. I've asked Jeff. Jeff has been such a big part of this series, and I want us all to respond to what God has said. So, Jeff, I'll turn it over to you. Let you bring us home.
2: You know, for the past many months, and thank you for this morning, Greg, we have been in the Word of God, and we've been in the book of Acts. And we've titled that, and we've had upper rooms, and we've titled it The Breakthrough. We've been very clear that what we think we see and what we know we see in the Scripture in the book of Acts is God's church breaking through in the world for the first time in profound and powerful ways. And we've gathered as a church family several times um, to pray for that kind of breakthrough in our own lives and in the the life of our church. Um, It's been an incredible few months. But we don't do these things, and we don't come and listen to sermons just to be intellectually stimulated. We don't come to only just increase our knowledge base, uh, but if our knowledge doesn't translate to real experience, uh, then we run the risk of just being, just being a church that's really smart. <laughs> yeah. How are we living out our sentness? What does it mean for us as a congregation and for you as an individual and for me as an individual to live out our sentness? Uh, there's a man in this church who's been a mentor to me. And he works in downtown L.A. and he's very successful And and I love getting with him because he talks about that particular office. That particular company is where God has sent him. And over his time in that company, I hear story after story about times where he's opened up a book club and what they happen to be reading was about the life of Jesus. Or times where he's had his colleagues over to his home uh, just to celebrate them and to honor them, to bring them to this church for different events. And what I've loved about this mentor is that he understands his sentness in his workplace in downtown L.A. But that sentness also shows up in the life of this church in so many different ways. Right now, his sentness has him sitting up on the third floor with a group of junior high boys. In his sentness, there's countless young men who meet with him to talk about what it means to be a parent what it means to be a husband. His sentness shows up in his work. It shows up in his commitment to his church. There's a girl I had the privilege of being her when I was a junior high intern here many, many moons ago. I remember this incredible story of this girl who we were just teaching of Ephesians, and there's a scripture in Ephesians that talks about do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's beneficial for those to listen. Something hit her that day that, that her group of friends at school They were pretty, they didn't have wholesome talk. And one person that they talked about a lot, and that was talked a lot at their school, was their principal, someone who wasn't loved. And so she decided to write a note, just a simple note to her principal, apologizing for the ways that she has talked about her, and then made a commitment to her that she's going to pray for her. The principal gets this note, calls her into the office, and said, who told you to write this note, thinking it was a a joke? And the girl said, look, I, I go to Lake Avenue Church, and my youth pastor was talking about the way we talk and that God wants to even live in that part of my life. And, and, and for, So I just wrote this letter because I mean it, and I'm really sorry. And the principal began to cry because in her whole time as an educator, she had never gotten any encouragement from a student before because there was a 7th grade girl who understood that God was bigger than just her time at 393 North Lake Avenue. And that God wanted to send her to that particular school in that particular time to write that particular note to begin that particular relationship. See, our sentness needs to show up. And you know what's easy for me as a pastor? It would be really easy for me to tell you, do you want to know where I'm sent? I'm sent to Lake Avenue Church. And, 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 and part of my calling is I get to work here with you and tell you about your sentness. And that's very true, but, but it doesn't stop there for me. I have to think about where Jenny and I and our family are sent. Right now the prayer in our home is, is where does is, Jenny feel like serving? And she's really led right now to really think about serving in our fourth and fifth grade ministry. We're starting a new school in a couple of weeks. I can't believe how fast our kids are growing up. And we're sent right now to Altadena Nursery School for this next year which means it's not just a place we're dropping off Henry to get educated, but it's a place where we will invest in relationships and where we are called to be salt and light. And we're called at our home just two miles up the road. And so we play in the front yard and not the backyard. We don't really have a backyard, but we play in the front yard so that when people walk by, we can build relationships with them and say hi and be a blessing. Friends, the breakthrough that we are sensing doesn't just stop with hearing about what happened in Acts. It depends on our faithfulness as a church. We want to give you time now, just some time to reflect on your sentness. And if you have in your worship folder, there's a pamphlet with the Kevadas on it. Where are you going? And inside, I ask you to all pull that out. If you don't know where you're sent, or you know that maybe you were really clear on where you were sent in the past, but right now you wouldn't be able to articulate it that well, we want to give you an opportunity to respond to where you think God might be sending you. If you already are sent and you're living out that sentness on the back on the blue section, we want to hear those things. We want to celebrate those things as a congregation. But right now the opportunity is for you to fill this out and not just be a church that's full of information, but a church that's adding to the experience and to the life of this church. We ask you to fill it out and to check. And someone from that ministry will call you or connect with you in the next by Wednesday. Because we want to be a church that doesn't just absorb. We want to be a church that serves. And the very things that Greg just preached about and the very life that we just heard about in Rafiq Wabi. The very life that he just shared with us. Here's a young man going to UC Davis understanding that right here, right now. God has something for him. We want to be that kind of people. So please fill this out. And then what we're going to do after a moment is we're going to hold them up as a congregation, either affirming where you're already sent or declaring where God might be sending you. And our pastor is going to commission us all. So often, right, we get missionaries up here or, or the really special people who are doing great things for God and we send them off. This morning, we all as a congregation will be sent off in our sentness. So please take a moment to fill out this form. You could congregation. We'd love to get this for follow up and then to also celebrate on the back what God is doing in the life of our church. But right now, if you could please stand and grab your form that has been in your hand that you've been filling out and please hold that form just in front of you up in the air as Pastor Greg will commission us, send us to the places. And to the the new places for some of us on this form, that this journey is just going to begin today. But also as he sends us back into our homes, into our works, into our environments that we've declared also.
1: Let's hold these high. Let me lead us in prayer. Our Father, as we gather here, even at the end of this service, we know you are here. Because you have broken into our lives and the message of good news. Uh, through jesus has come to us and we know we know it's not just for us but sufficient for all the world so father we know that you send us to be your witnesses jesus told us it's recorded there at the beginning of the book of acts you are my witnesses and we are that father we've tried to identify the places where you've sent us now in our lives or may now be sending us we hold these up father before one another and before you In the name of Jesus, I come, Father, and pray that your spirit may empower us for this sending. I pray, Father, that you may give us courage, as we have never had it before, to live for you and to speak for you wherever you send us. Father, I pray that you would give us the hearts that we saw in those people in Antioch, a hearts that loved the people around them, not always the sin that they saw, but the people for whom Jesus died, they loved them loved them when they hurt, loved them when they walked away from you, and called them back to you, and showed them your love. Father, may that be true of each one of us. So give us open eyes, give us full hearts, give us courageous, courageous hands and feet as you send us from this place as your witnesses. So that through our witness, many may come to Jesus. Many faith find the life that you have come to give and all of this Father. We pray only because of Jesus and in His name. Amen.